0: Go to the book of 1st John today, the book of 1st John, and uh, all right, first the book of 1st John, and uh, if we do put together a 9 o'clock service, if there's enough interest in that, uh, that would be uh, uh, the same, uh, we think, the same sermon will be preached in the 9 o'clock hour as well as the 10 o'clock hour, maybe, I, I'm, I'm debating that, I don't know how I can do that, and kind of be weird, Okay. I feel I, I just, but we'll see how that works. I know preachers have done it, and uh, I just have never uh, preached the same sermon twice in an, an you know an hour apart. So that'd be interesting how that works. So you'll get a rerun of the next hour. However, you know you can work out all the bugs in the first hour, preach all the heresy out in the first hour, and then rephrase it in the next hour, just kind of clean it up. But uh, I don't know how that'll work. Uh, but do pray for that. Uh, but uh, we um, we would. Uh, we would appreciate your prayers on, uh, on how to do that and, and what to do. But I've, I've been told for years that would be a great opportunity for us to, uh, to really uh, uh, take the pressure off this uh, 11 o'clock hour that we've had because of the, uh, the growth in the church. You know, it's a good problem to have. All right. God's formula for fellowship. We're going to talk about this. Uh, fellowship. It's an incredible word. Uh, you'll find all through the scripture, especially in the New Testament, uh, this word fellowship. And there's, there's, if you would, a formula for that. And I hate to use the word formula. I hate to use the word. A cli- I'm not trying to use it as a cliche, but I do want to try to introduce to you something that's important for us, especially in this kind of environment uh, where fellowship is, is hurting. I remember when this thing hit in March and we were like, whoa, this is, you know, meeting here by ourselves. And, and there's just, there, there was some fellowship, but I felt bad for a lot of you that didn't have anything you were just stuck in your homes watching it on tv and uh it's just not the same and so this is a this is a very important part of the believer's life is fellowship is having the fellowship uh and uh and as I, w- I want to admonish you today that that uh, take this as a serious doctrinal issue because if you don't understand fellowship uh there's a uh, you're you're missing a huge component of your Christian life. You really you really are, and uh, and it's it's necessary. And so I'm just not the fellowshipy person. You know the New Testament church, the New Testament church, uh, the Holy Spirit. I believe this. The Holy Spirit gave them power even to fellowship. They had a wonderful unity about them, and they ha- they came together in breaking of bread and in fellowship, and, the, and they and they were they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine fellowship and in breaking of bread, which I. It's part of the Holy Spirit's power working inside the church. So look if we would in First John chapter 1, just look at this here real quick. And uh, verse number 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled the word of life. And you know who that is, okay? That's a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, for the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. And We're still doing that today. We're still declaring this. That ye also may have what? Fellowship, Fellowship with us. And truly our what? Fellowship. Is with the Father. And with his son, Jesus Christ. These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. So Notice here, joy and fellowship go together. Uh, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have what? Fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But I love those, conjunct- those conjunctions. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is is not in us. You pray with me and for me. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for these that are here. Bless the opportunity you've given us to teach the Word of God, the incredible book you've laid before us today. And I pray you give us the uh, understanding hearts as we look into, this, uh, and into this, uh, this, work, this word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Fellowship, fellowship, now, every time a Baptist says fellowship, it always surrounds food. I understand that, uh, and uh, but the, the word fellowship itself, out of the 1828 dictionary, it means companionship. It means a, a, a mutual associations of persons on equal and friendly terms. So, a fellowship is something that we have. We come together. It's friendly. It's uh, it's consorted, it is uh, with uh, uh, a joint interest from those that are coming together. That's a fellowship, okay? So when you look at this, the word fellowship really means that things are held as common areas of, of beliefs, they come together. Now, it's hard for us to fellowship, for example, with someone that doesn't believe like us. You get around someone that does not believe what you believe, it's hard to fellowship with them because there's this area you just can't bring up you can't talk about and, and, and unfortunately a lot of, a lot of churches because of there's so many diverse beliefs in the church fellowship is strained and that's why many times when you find for example Calvinism coming into a church it disrupts the fellowship. Uh, when modism comes into the church and other false doctrines find their way into a congregation it starts to disrupt the fellowship. Uh, when a family member i 'm talking about physical families, family members that grew up in church, loved God, used to love God, and now one of the family members starts to go wacko it, it, it disrupts fellowship okay and that 's why a lot of folks have a difficult time coming together and talking about anything more than just the weather sports and and and, and, and maybe uh, uh, maybe some TV show uh, but when it gets down to theology and Bible and God, which is deeper those things are not discussed in many settings because there's so much disagreement. And the Bible says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? And so I believe this fellowship word is something that's important and implies standing, standing together uh, on common ground. It, it implies that. And, and imagine, imagine this statement here, verse number three, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship uh, with us, okay, with us, incredible. So God desires. Let me think about think about this. God desires for us to have fellowship with Him. Okay, that's His desire. He he likes to he likes to fellowship. He does. He enjoys fellowshipping. I took the kids up to Kelly's Island yesterday, and uh, you know it's we just wanted to do a little bike ride, get out of town for a little bit, and just kind of do a little reset. So we went up and took the. I call it furry because I'm from South Jersey, but it's called, apparently you call it ferry down here. But it's a furry in South Jersey. It's a furry across. And so we get to Kelly's Island, and we walk up and get one of those little golf carts, you know, that can fit the whole family on there, plus one's on a seat, you know, so we're on a lap, and so we're kind of riding around there. And it's lifestyles of the rich and famous. You know, you've got yachts pulling out, and you've got these nice fancy boats and these, like, people with these beautiful homes, and here we are poor folks from Finley, Ohio, kind of <laughs> looking around. Dad, why don't we have some, it's all right, it's okay, you know. It's, it's just, the, you know, these are all things, Dad, they're nice things. I know, but they're all going to burn up one day, but they're nice things. And so, just, you know, so, so, you know, we kind of make a left there We go around the island and, and uh, went by one of the campgrounds and they got these big thing. I mean, just beautiful boats and cars and stuff. And so I, I come up to a graveyard. And the kids have no idea what I'm about to do. No, there's no gate on the graveyard, and so it's just a, a drive-in. And I make a left turn, man, and no one, no one is in the graveyard. Everyone's kind of blowing past the graveyard, but not the Shepherd family. <laughs> so we come around that shepherd, we come around that graveyard, park in the middle of that thing. What are you doing, Dad? He said, just trying to put a little perspective on everything. I said, because everything that you see in this world ends you can't take anything with you and all these people had stuff and it's just and you know we had a little fellowship right there and it's good just to think about eternal things not the temporal things and I'm, I'm believing God desires to have close fellowship with us that's something he wants uh, to have with us and with you as we stand together on common ground sounds good Sounds good, but unfortunately, in a lot of churches, fellowship is difficult, and uh, and many times it's not even not even practiced. And a lot of folks come to church, and they they may agree with the doctrine, but they have no fellowship inside the, the the believing body, and they're the first last to come, first to leave. They don't, if you would, communicate and talk to the, if you would, the believers on the common ground that we have. And God desires that. God desires that. So John doesn't take this lightly as he's writing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In fact, he tells us exactly how to have this. Now, if I were looking at this book right here, I would be like, how do I ha- okay, if I'm, if I'm to have this kind of fellowship, how do I have this fellowship? Now, it's easy for a pastor, I'm saying this from my heart to you, it's easy for a pastor to get away from fellowship because we're critiqued on pretty much everything that we say. Everything that we say can be taken the wrong way. And, And the Bible says, in a multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. In other words, the more you talk, the more you sin. And the more you say things you shouldn't have said. So sometimes pastors can be almost reclusive from their own congregations and not fellowship with them. That's a dangerous thing for a pastor. That's a dangerous thing for a believer to pull away from their congregation. And because they have the common ground of belief, but yet they pull away. And when a Christian begins to break fellowship, they begin to be vulnerable to the work of Satan. OK, or watch this, the culture, which loves to separate a believer and then destroy a believer. Yes. I'm going to talk to a believer here on Tuesday. Um, this this couple needs some fellowship. They need some help. They're hurting. And, uh, and 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 because of their isolation from the congregation, boy, there's all kinds of things that start to come into the mind of what they think people are saying. Had a dear lady I talked to you not too long ago. She says, hey, I think the, I think the church is uh, is gossiping about me because I want to wear a mask at the church. I said, no, no, they're not. But do you understand? They, they become, if you would, susceptible to satanic ideas when there's no fellowship. Yep. How many of you feel really awkward after you haven't seen your family for a long time? And it's, it's that first 10 minutes of, the, of, the, of a Thanksgiving dinner. You're all coming in out of town and you're like, I oh, have seen you for three years, and you feel weird. How many have ever had that? Okay, until about 20, 30 minutes into it, say, Uncle Joe's still the same way, and, and Jay's the same way, he's still an idiot, and, and you, know, you know, and so we're, we, we start to kind of loosen up again. I believe that. I believe that Sunday morning is kind of like one of those resets. Okay, we're good. Okay, I'm good. You're good. Everyone's good. And we kind of, if you would, come back together. Now, we do it three times a week, but the New Testament church had a fellowship every day, every day. And, and so the praise here is that there is a f- formula for restoring fellowship. There really is. Okay. So when you lose fellowship, you can restore fellowship. Um, if I were to take a church again, which I'm not going to, Lord, Lord willing, I'm not going to say if God doesn't move me from Findlay, I, I don't you know, see that you know, in the plans at all, but anything's possible. I'm just saying that the first thing that I think any pastor ought to want to do is to begin to fellowship with the church have fellowships okay and it kind of comes around food it's it's hard not to fellowship without food are you with me i mean you can or a cup of coffee or something that you're doing together fellowship uh as we were up at kelly's island yesterday i'm always looking for ideas of trying to find ways to fellowship with and i found this camp up there many of you know who who, it's called camp patmos i've never heard of that before did you really I went and talked to the director yesterday. I said, "Where's this been all my life? Oh, yeah, we're up here. And I'm looking out the door of this beautiful, beautiful water out the front, boats. I'm like, this is awesome. I said, can I rent it? Well, we do that for a few people. I said, well, I'll be one of the few. It'll be fine. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to try it. Maybe we can have a family camp. Take the whole church up there. Spend fellowship time up there. ideas. Ideas. Working with people. So let me give you some uh, some ideas on this. Look down to verse number four. And these things write we unto you. Now watch this. That your joy may be full. Okay? Now the point is here, John's referring to verse number four. And I want to show you from this verse that you can draw near to God. When you draw near to God, there is a uh, not only a, a sweet fellowship that comes, but there's a joy that comes. Okay? Now, full joy is just that, folks. It's not half joy. Look at it says here, verse number four, that your joy may be half full. Some of you look like you're full of joy right now. Okay? Joy. Okay? Joy is coming from inside. It is manufactured by the Holy Spirit of God. The fact that you don't have joy, watch this, shows us that you're not in fellowship with your Father, the Heavenly Father. When you're in fellowship with the Heavenly Father and you're in fellowship with believers, watch this, that are on common ground, there's something that happens inside of you that cannot be explained. Watch this. It's fullness of joy. Are y'all here? Not half joy. Well, I'm just not that happy. I'm not, I'm never happy. Okay. There's a problem. Okay. Full joy comes, if you would, from a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Really? Really? And I I, I see good people that just don't have much joy today, okay? And it's not really an excuse. There's a way to get that. And he shows how, I believe, how common the intimate fellowship with the Father can be a normal Christian experience. Common fellowship, okay? I have devotions with my boys every night. Elijah is not saved yet. And he's opened to the gospel, And so we were uh, going through the devotion last night and uh, and and he will say uh, 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 something like where Jonathan or Timothy will pray for uh, for Elijah that that he would get saved. And Elijah would say, Lord, please open my heart so I can be saved. And so, you know, I say, Pastor, why don't he get saved? Because when I ask him, Elijah, why aren't you saved? Because I'm not saved. Why aren't you going to heaven? Because I'm not saved. Why aren't you saved? Because I'm not saved. <laughs> okay? You what with me? He doesn't know yet. He doesn't know that he, he is responsible as a sinner before holy God. And we're talking to him about that. But, listen, when I come together with these boys and I have devotions with them, there's an intimacy together with my boys. An intimacy, a closeness. Uh, Something you can't even manufacture. I'll come down the stairs, tears in my eyes, and man, what is a great time having, having Bible time with my sons. Awesome. Fellowship. Fellowship. And it, and it should be, and I was teaching the boys, don't feel uncomfortable praying. Okay? It's okay. You're, you should never be uncomfortable being intimate with God. OK, it ought to be part of your normal Christian behavior. You spend time with God. Y'all here yes. where you have your time alone with him. When's the last time I'm going to ask this question? When's the last time you've had that? When's the last time you've had a an intimate time with you and God devotions? You had your Bible. Had a, I, I used to do a cup of coffee with a little bit of hazelnut creamer in it. And I'll sit there and I'll read my Bible. My wife and I both read our Bibles together. I know you, you know, but but it's, it's, it's a wonderful time with my God. It should never be uncomfortable. I've been doing that for years. I've missed a, probably a handful of times in the last 10 years of my Bible, Bible reading. And I'm just going to be honest. There's, well, I've never missed. I have. And it's been because of schedules and flying and going to Israel and stuff like that. I get there and I'm like, I don't know my name. <laughs> you know, my bible i lost that i don't know where that is somewhere in the luggage department but there's a handful of times i, I have not had that but I, there should be a normal behavior in your life that you have your fellowship with god and it's an important part of it when a christian has that when when a christian does not have that and he breaks that fellowship with god there is a way to get that back there is a way to maintain that okay okay Listen, think about this. You've got the Holy Spirit that works inside of you, okay? If you're not right with God, he is going to guide you into all truth. John chapter 6 talks about that. Praise God for that, okay? If you're, not a, belie- if you're a believer and you're not walking a consistent walk with God, then there is the other rod of correction that God uses. And he does that because he loves you, okay? So you've got the witness from within, then you have this witness from without called a spanking, Okay? And God gives spankings, okay? And they hurt, and, but they're good for you, okay, and me. But then you have the negative side of this thing where the world hates you. You get beat up by the world. Then you got your own flesh. That's your enemy. And you got the devil. Now, the Holy Spirit, okay, is not your enemy. He's trying to get you right. And he uses chastisement. He uses the word of God to get you where you need to go. But these other th- three areas, they'll beat you to a pulp and give you nothing in return, okay? But the Holy Spirit wants to give you that joy and that peace, and God desires to have that close fellowship with you. And it sounds very good. That's why verse number 4 says, and these things write we unto you. The whole book here is written for the purpose, watch this, that your joy may be full. Now, when you get into this book right here, you start understanding joy. It's a powerful, powerful verse here. I want to show you how to how to do this, Okay. Verses eight, 8 and 10, here's, here's kind of, if you would, and I'm, I'm using the cliche, of, uh, a formula, but this is kind of move through this. Point number one, we must recognize our sins. There, mu- there must be a recognition of who we are. Okay, look, if you would, in verse number eight, and it says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, look down in verse number 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a what? Liar. Liar. And his word is not in us. John's writing this. John's a believer. Okay? But John also has sins. Now, I'm going to remind you, John was a believer. He was saved. He was on his way to heaven. He had a judicial forgiveness of his sins. Jesus forgave him. But now we have, because of sin in our life, we have. We can have a broken fellowship, and true fellowship with God hinges on our admission, owning up. We call it in our our house, own it, owning up to our sin, owning up. You 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 you've you've sinned, own it. Okay. Say I've, I've I'm owning up to it. I've sinned, and God gives us grace and forgives us of that. And I praise the Lord for that because if you look, if you look here in, uh, in verse number 9, if we confess our what? Sin. Sins, okay? Uh, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is not for salvation. This is for fellowship. Please note, it's a big difference for fellowship. So we must recognize our sins. The world's attitude on sin is different than the... It should, it should be dra- drastically different from the believer's attitude towards sin. Uh, sin is transgression. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is, uh, according to Romans chapter 3, is a problem all of us have. We're all sinners, okay? I only met one person and it said they never sinned. I actually had a deacon one time, not in this church. This is another church that I pastored in Albuquerque. And I took the church, and and I, um, I, I, he was the one of the biggest problems in the church. And I'm just being, I'm laying it right out. He's a problem, one of those problem guys. And I figured out why. One day he came to me, and he says, "How long do you think you can go without sinning?" I said, "Well, I never thought about that." I said, I "Don't think think about that." He says, well, let me just kind of put something out to you. If you can go a minute without sinning, then you can probably go two minutes without sinning. And if you go two, <laughs> this is reasoning, if you go two minutes without sinning, you can probably go maybe an hour. He says, I'm telling you right now, I'm on day 30. Wow. So, wow. that explains a lot. Oh, <laughs> oh, and that, of course, makes God a liar because he says you got problems, all of us have problems. You woke up this morning, you had problems. We're all sinners and we need daily forgiveness. But we can't become friends with the sin that we are, okay? Even though we're saved, we're on our way to heaven and just pet it and say, well, it'll be all right because your joy, okay, no, more than your joy not being full, your fellowship with God is broken. And so the first part of, of fellowship being restored is admission that you're a sinner. And it's not an accident in life that, 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 that as some people think that, man, we're just all accidents. As some people want to believe, this is totally opposite from what God says. Man is a sinner. Man is sin. Okay? Even after salvation, man sins. And so before sin ever could be dealt with, it must be seen. It must be seen as an affront to God. Okay? My pride is an affront to God. My anger, my jealousy, okay? my, my, my sin is an assault against God. And I can never be in agreement with my sin against God. can't. Until sin is recognized as in a personal attack against God himself, it can never, if you would, have restoration and forgiveness. If we confess our sin... OK, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. OK, so self-help movements say, well, guilt treatment techniques They'll give you those and and go to this class. And you can. But we're they're just they're just false attempts to deal with a real problem. OK, for a believer after salvation, you're still going to sin. You need daily forgiveness. Um, and, and let me just say this real quick. And you can study this it's a very interesting study. When Jesus was washing the feet of the disciples, he came to Peter, and Peter says, not my feet. And, and he says, he says if, if I do not uh, do this, and I'm paraphrasing, you have no part with me. Peter says, well, do my whole body, wash everything. He said, you don't need your whole body washed, just your feet. And he was talking about sin because he pointed to Judas Iscariot because he didn't have any cleansing. It's a very interesting study. When you look at that, foot washing is not something we do today. I mean, I'm not against it. If you want to do that, we wash each other's feet. That's fine. But the purpose was it was that when you walk through this world, you're going to get dirty. You're going to get dust on your feet and you need daily. Jesus is showing daily forgiveness. And then, by the way, you need to do this with one another. He's saying, what does he mean? He's talking about the sin that comes onto you that you just need to be cleansing. One another, helping, forgiving, confessing, working those issues out. Why? Because God wants fellowship with us. That's why here the, uh, I'm not going to talk about the rich young ruler. There's a whole study there, but here in the world's viewpoint, considering dealing with sin, evolution says man is on his way up. Sin isn't an issue. Education says man can be taught to live without sin. That's interesting. Science says solve the problem of the mysteries of the of, of man's nature can be set... Uh, th- th- if you can solve the problems of the mysteries of man's nature, man can be set free from sin. Sociology says that sin is a byproduct of an unhealthy environment. Okay? The way you were raised. Psychology. Talk about yourself long enough. Focus on what you need, and eventually you can eliminate your own guilt. Religion. Learn the doctrines, the practices, and the rituals. Do good things and you'll feel better about yourself and God will accept you, okay? Now, my wife and I were talking about this this morning. You can know all the doctrines. People say, well, I know it. I know what the Bible says. I know what the Bible says. And you can know every diet in the world. You can know all the fitness techniques of all, all the different workout programs. You can have all of them down. You can know how many calories you're supposed to take in. You can, do, you can know it all. But until you put it in practice, you're not going to benefit from it. And the Bible here is very clear. You can know everything, but there's more than just knowledge. There's a, there's, a, there's an implementation of what you know to your daily life. And that's why the other answers, by the way, when you do it God's way, it doesn't cost you $75 an hour. Amen? And by the way, the government says we can actually help you. That's Ronald Reagan said that's... A, that's that's, that's dangerous words. I'm from the government here to help you. That's a dangerous thing. That's what the government's trying to do, help the society, okay? Help this problem. Government can't help it. Religion can't help. Government can't help. The soci- sociology can't help. Psychology can't help. Science can't help. Education evolution can't help. But God does that. God helps. God cleanses. God heals and God restores fellowship. So we got, we must we, we we recognize it. And I got ahead of myself, but look at verse number nine. I've just got a couple minutes here. Verse nine says, if we confess our sins, there must be confession. Okay. We must recognize daily sin and confess it. Confess means simply this. To own, acknowledge. I'm reading the 1828 dictionary definition. To own, acknowledge, or avow as a crime, a fault, a charge, a debt, or something that is against one's interest or reputation. When someone, uh, someone owns something or confesses something, they're agreeing against themselves. It's a very interesting thing to think about. Uh, and one thing that's going to keep people from doing that is this thing called pride. Pride. And when you are full of pride, you don't want to admit that you're a problem, and you have a problem. And when you look at this here, that this word confess very simply is you're acknowledging Lord. I acknowledge Lord. I confess Lord. I have done something against you. And really it's against myself. Okay. That's why Hebrews 8, 12 says, for I will be merciful unto the unrighteous. Uh, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. What I remember no more when, listen, when God forgives, he forgives. He restores. It's over. I'm separating it from you. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Sometimes we can't forgive ourselves. I understand that. When you've done something, you can't get that time back. You can't get that decision back. You blew it. You messed it up. But between you and God, when you've confessed that, God separates that. And that's a good thing to know. It's over. It's over. We're moving on. And that's a miracle that God does. Number seven, uh, number three, and just, uh, just a minute on this. There's one thing to, be, to confess your, your sin, okay? One thing to confess it. Now, that's the beginning. I'm talking about, if you would, the formula, okay? That's the beginning. The reason why a lot of folks do not want to be in a fellowship of believers, especially if it's a, if it's a, con- a congregation that fellowships in light and they're walking in darkness. I'm going to talk about this. There's no fellowship. Watch this. And say, well, what's wrong with me? You're walking in darkness. If you're not walking in darkness, then you're going to to come to light. Watch what it says here in verse number 10. Uh, Rather, in verse number 7. Look at verse verse number (laughs) 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is what? Light. Light, Okay. And in him is no what? Darkness. Darkness at all. So God has absolutely no darkness in him. And it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So you can't say, and this is, again, a very interesting statement because it's someone that says this. You can't say that you walk in light uh, or or, or, are, are, are walking in light when you're walking in darkness. They do not coexist, so to speak. But verse number seven, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanses from all sin. There is a huge difference between relationship. I'm going to say this real quick and I'm going to close it out and fellowship. Relationship is never going to be vulnerable. I was talking to a dear lady that that, that grew up in Church of Christ where they have to keep their salvation. They do not believe that you're. Uh, you're, you're, once you're saved, you're eternally saved. They do not believe that, and and they're good people. They 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 love God, but they're trying to keep their salvation. Okay, and there's there's Baptists that actually have uh, the the doctrine of losing your salvation, and of, of course, when we look at their theology they typically wrong on Israel. They do not understand dispensations and who that particular passage of Scripture is written uh, to. And, uh, and they don't know where they are in, in terms of uh, the Bible. But, but that's said, that said, they mean well, but there's a huge difference in relationship and fellowship. And praise God for this, folks, that when you get saved, when you become a child of God, you're never not a child of God. I am my mother's child. I'll never be not my mother's child. I will disobey her and I have broken her heart, but I've always been her child. When you're a child of God, there's no indication you never become no longer a child. Is that y'all with me on that? So we believe once you're saved, you're always saved. And that is a mocked cliche in churches. Do not believe that. I know that I've talked to them. I've debated with them on these on these verses. But I will say this. That fellowship becomes vulnerable with sin, not relationship, not relationship. And I said to this lady, we we were visiting her, my wife and I were visiting her last week. And she says that, um, that do you believe once saved, always saved? And I said, let me just kind of rephrase it back to you. I said, I believe once saved. Always saved. He says, what do you mean? I said, the emphasis is on the word salvation. I think, I said, we both agree that we understand that there are people that make professions with no possession. Okay? And we know because of Matthew chapter 7, we know that there's tares or weeds among the wheat. We know there's Judas' among the 12. We know that there's goats among the sheep. I know that. So there's false professions or false prophets, if you would. You know that. But once you're saved, you never lose that. If you've genuinely been saved, you'll never lose salvation. Period. Okay? And and he will no wise cast out. I can go through several verses on eternal security. But fellowship is vulnerable. Fellowship is vulnerable. Hey. Aren't you one of those Galileans? No, blankety blank, I'm not. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter wasn't right with God until he gets back in the fellowship with Christ, recognizing that he was a sinner. Not that he was lost, but he needed to get right with God. And then you see Peter in Acts chapter 4 preaching and being used of God. But his fellowship was broken. We went fishing again. I'm done with this. (laughs) I'm leaving church. I'm not coming back. That's Peter. I'm done. I'm done. Finished. Okay. Until he's broken, comes back. Fellowship was broken. So there's a difference between relationship and fellowship. And I want to talk about that here in the next uh, lesson here, moving through, if you would, the formula on how to restore fellowship. Okay. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this lesson. There's a lot here today, Lord, and I pray that you help your people. Uh, Lord, to embrace the doctrine of fellowship. We pray you bless them as a, as a, as a people. Never to think that, Lord, their uh, uh, um, absence is good. N- no one's absence is good if, a, if they're a true believer. Lord, I pray that you'd help all of us to uh, desire and love not only the fellowship with each other, but the fellowship with you. Give us grace, Lord, to follow you today. I pray you bless the church as we come together. Uh, around the meat of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.